0: This episode of the Eggology Club podcast is sponsored by pregnantish Anyone who's been through infertility and fertility treatments knows that the process affects women on the deepest level. It causes stress on their bodies, their bank accounts, and their relationships. Even things like seeing a friend's pregnancy announcement on Facebook can create a lot of unhealthy emotions. That's why pregnantish was created as the first non-medical website, helping singles, couples, and LGBT navigate the process. Visit us at www.pregnanish.com. That's P-R-E-G-N-A-N-T-I-S-H.com and follow them on social at Pregnanish. Their mission is to inspire, educate, and connect the millions of women and men who are starting their families with a little help. This is Ecology Club Podcast, episode number 12, questions and answers. Welcome to a new club, The Ecology Club. This podcast is redefining the modern day journey to parenthood. Meet your co-hosts and new BFFs, Riddell, Valerie, and Kara. We're sharing our unfiltered real life stories, and we hope you join the conversation too. Follow us at eggologyclub.com. I'm your host, Valerie. I have a special episode with
1: you today about questions and answers all this entire season of the Ecology Club podcast. We have been listening to your voicemails, reading your emails, and we are so glad that you have reached out to us and obviously there's a growing interest in this space and rightfully so because, you know, dating has changed the way that we relate to each other, how we work, how women are in the career force more more prominently now, you know, the world is just shifting. Uh, The sharing economy has changed. How does this affect our family and our future of family? Today I have in studio with me, Stephanie Linder. Hi Val, I'm back. You're back. I'm so glad. Gosh, I I just can't leave. I know. I love it. (laughs) I just feel so blessed because you came the whole way from Medellin, Columbia. Yes. And if anyone hasn't heard episode nine, Stephanie talks and dives into a lot of her story and her egg freezing journey that she went through and how she quit her job. I did. <laughs> yep. And you went Amazing. and traveled and following your dream and you're this blogger slash social media expert. And I just love it. Like you're so inspiring. Well, thank you. So are you. So she's going to join me today to help answer your questions, your emails. We have so many people that have reached out to us over the last several weeks since the podcast launched this past July, 2017. We're just trying To change the conversation around egg freezing, fertility, future planning, please give us a call and we will make sure to get back to you. 978 344 2582. And now we are addressing some of the voicemails and phone calls. You can also email us at eggologyclub at gmail.com. So we're going to get those questions answered today. But if other people have future questions, we will definitely
2: get back to you. So today we are answering some questions. So we're really excited. I'm sure if you want to, you could send us a Facebook message, an Instagram message, tweet at us, all at Eggology Club, even if it's just the most simple, simple question. Why
1: don't we start with the first email that we have? A gal named Gina. Hi, Gina. Call out to Gina. She's 34 years old. She lives in London in the United Kingdom. Um, Her question is, I'm in a long-term relationship, but I still want to free my eggs? How do I bring this up to my partner? And frankly, how do I tell my parents?
2: That is a great question because I actually, Gina, felt uh, a similar concern. I think the key, in my opinion, is just be Extremely honest. They know nothing about this. They don't have to think about fertility. Well, if it is
1: a guy partner, Mm -hmm. she says partner. Oh, that's very true. My bad. (laughs) Yeah, we don't think about that sometimes. You're right. You're right. Heterosexual, but um, the partner in general, most guys, if Mm -hmm. you're dating a guy, they don't have to think about fertility.
2: No, and bless their souls, they just they don't. So when I know, I can only share, speak from personal experience. Um, My partner was super, super supportive, but... His first question was, you know, what do I have to do? Like is there anything do I he thought he had to give sperm now? And oh I was like, wow. No, 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 back up a second. Wow, that is like kind of precious. It I precious. I wanna look
1: at him and just give him a big hug, like, oh right. sweetie. But they thank just you. don't know.
2: And then he asked, you know, if we wanted to use them together eventually, what would uh, what would the process be? So mm-hmm. that's when I That's did where a you can educate dive. him. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, you keep it simple, keep it high level because you know it obviously Depends on where her relationship is yeah. And what their communication styles are um, But if you want to take the parent one Because I know my parents were are very open-minded They're not yeah. conservative uh, But I know you had mentioned that you come from more of a Conservative background Yeah, I did it's not
1: like I ran out and told my grandmother, right? Right, right. I mean, she does call me a spinster, which in the <laughs> old days terms, <laughs> oh, that's like, you know, a perpetually single woman. Now, isn't that
2: funny? Because my grandma and my mom, I swear, like, if you can hold off to get married, do it. Like, it's not all it's cracked up to be, which I think Aww. forms your opinions on marriage and children. right? Well, so- we
1: use our parents as examples of right. what family looks like. Right. And that is, I think that's very natural. Right. Um, and our culture tells us like kids, marriage, family, the picket white fence. But my parents, I re- was raised in a very religious household. Mm-hmm. I'm very thankful for that. Like I wouldn't, I, I don't really remember a lot of my childhood because mm-hmm. it was so normal and and happy and fun and carefree and but I do remember I was getting a little older feeling awkward about that adjustment and coming into my own about how I felt about religion because I had yeah. to I had to personally you know decide how I felt yeah um, and what my own values and, and goals were I worked in the industry so I don't know that I 100 percent have a very typical
2: yeah relationship with my
1: parents because of the jobs that I've had in fertility and right. cancer and um, women's health I remember when I first got my first job in birth control. I sold um, pharmaceuticals. And I remember my mom saying, oh, well, you're not going to take these, are you? And I was like, of course I am. Oh my gosh. How (laughs) old were you then? Well, I was in my twenties. Oh, she still said that? Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I mean, I, I had a high school boyfriend, you know, when I was younger, they- Actually, caught us. Oh my gosh. <laughs> True fact. Sorry, mom. Next episode. <laughs> no, no, we will not be discussing that in full length, but it, it sparked the whole conversation of. Oh, I bet it did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Obviously, how could it not, right? So, um, I think my mom was looking for, you know, to catch us because oh, she goodness. knew we had been dating so long. It really sparked that whole conversation of kids and family and having safe sex and mm. what does that look like? And so, my parents were married. In their 20s had children, four children very quickly, shortly after. I mean, my mom, oh, before wow. she was even 30, had four children, so it's not the same. Like, she's looking at us thinking, Oh, I'd have grandchildren by now. I mean, I have a brother that's married, they still have not procreated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, my sister and I, we've been pretty single ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my youngest brother. I don't really know. So, you know, it's like... You I, gave her a dog, though. I did. I have. She has a grand puppy baby. Oh, Izzy. Be thankful, she's Mom. She's so sweet. Yeah, I know. I tell her. And then when I froze my eggs, uh, you know, at first she was anti... She wasn't quite sure. Like, she's like, oh, you don't really have to do this. You'll be fine. And I was like, no, Mom, I know better. I'm going to freeze my eggs. Right. And now she refers them to her grandbaby eggs. So they need time to adjust... Of course. And wrap their head around the idea because they're going through their own internal struggle. Right. And any comments that they say is really based off of their own predisposition of what they think about egg freezing or fertility planning. Or their lack of knowledge. Or their lack of knowledge as well because they didn't have to think about that. Right. Or they weren't given the opportunity to do such technology. Right. The technology
2: was not I mean, really, there
1: they only had birth control and condoms as options. Mm-hmm. Like in a previous episode, we talked to Dr. Pepper Schwartz, who mm-hmm. is a reality host and star for uh, yes. married at first sight. Of course. Yeah. But she has been a relationship expert for the better half of almost 40 years. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she was talking about how her, uh, mother's age mates, you know, no good girl would carry a condom, for example. So, look how far things have shifted and changed in our environment. So I think, you know what, take it, take your parents. Suicide. It's almost like the reverse, um, sex talk that your parents have with you. <laughs> you this is, with this is a reverse sex talk with your parents. Right. I don't know. Did your parents have a sex talk with you?
2: Mm, no, I remember explaining sex to my sister and my mom's like, uh, that's not really how it is. Um, but I do remember like in co- early on in college, actually my dad being like, you know, if you need stuff, like I can help you oh. get it, or like I'm proud of you for being on birth control because I be was in responsible. a relationship, right? So I always had a very uh, open dialogue, but I yeah. never had an exact like. Well, it's embarrassing, right? Like, yeah, they it's don't not know exactly they're doing comfortable. either. Right. I'm the
1: oldest, so I'm me too. I'm <laughs> the oldest as well, and so it's a little uncomfortable. But I think you know what? When we destigmatize this, and I think you know, media is helping mm-hmm. a little bit, maybe not very positively, but. Parents now, I'm talking to parents that are giving away egg freezing to their children for graduation gift. Oh, right. I
2: think that's going to be the watch New over standard. the next 10 years. That's going to be, you know, the th- or the 30th birthday gift. Or yeah. I wish my parents would have done that. Right. And you know, Gina, maybe it's a good idea too. like l- show them uh, this podcast or yeah. show them uh, Valerie site, So they can see how other women are freezing their eggs,
1: which reminds me, I did write a blog about this topic. So oh, that's it, you, a good can, idea. you can go and search back. It's kind of an earlier blog. I right. should probably repost it when
2: we launch, but give them resources yeah. so they can see how it's pretty common. Right. So, so they're more aware. And Information is key.
1: How you don't have to use the eggs. It's just an option to extend your fertility if you need them. You can still get pregnant naturally. Just even going back to the whole partner thing, your boyfriend, you know, pick a quiet place, probably private, semi-private. Of course. So you can, so you can really talk out all these things, maybe be available for the internet and Google. So you can kind of show some examples. Mm. There's great YouTube videos too. Like I feel like you could just Google what, egg freezing is. And and that way they can physically see it. Because I think when the partner or the parent in this case too, Mm -hmm. um, when they see physical examples of it, then it makes it a little bit more real, a little bit more conceptual. Um, If they've never heard of it before, it might be a little shock to their system. So just be prepared that your, their response may not be what you expect, mm-hmm. or they might be super supportive.
2: Who knows? Yeah, that's true. That's always been my experience. People are always way more supportive than we think they would be. Right? You know, we build it up in our own head to make stuff a bigger deal than uh, it really is a lot of time.
1: Well, Gina, I hope that answers your question. Thanks for reaching out. If yeah. I could do a proper London accent right now, I would, but oh, I can't. Oh, I know. I just love that <laughs> I we, embarrass have, myself. we have such an uh, international presence. And, and, and the, the great thing is, is that this content really is transferable through, no matter where you live. Mm-hmm. It's n- just knowledge-based information, education-based information that mm-hmm. luckily we're able to share with you. So thanks so much for listening.
2: So next, we're actually going to listen to a voicemail from Michelle. Michelle is from Long Island, New York. She's 38 years old. And Michelle, let's listen to her voicemail.
0: Yes. Hi, my name is Michelle, and I'm calling from Long Island, New York. I was told by my doctor that uh, I should consider freezing embryos. And I'm wondering if that's the best option for me. Um, I had gone into originally freeze my eggs, but I was told that embryos might be better. Uh, So I'm just calling to get your opinions. And um, if you could answer my questions, I'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you.
2: The definition of an embryo is when a sperm and an egg are merged. So there's more cells, it's a stronger body. And that's most likely why her physician Michelle being 38 years old, Michelle, that's most likely why he maybe looked at your numbers, maybe your AMH level, your FSH, LH, whatever he was looking at, and decided that it might be a little bit better of idea to freeze embryos. Mm-hmm. Um, we can also do genetic screening and g- genetic testing on them, so if you do have to transfer one, two, three back into yourself and he can see which ones are the best to do that, which would be most likely a really good thing for your age.
1: Yeah, that just gives us indications and uh, a better picture into how healthy that embryo will be right. um, and the likelihood that you'll have a successful pregnancy versus mm-hmm. a possible miscarriage or it, the embryo not taking at all. Now, of course, science is very fickle and it can do whatever it wants, but mm. it, it, it's the best um, knowledge-based information that we have. I've interviewed, you know, over forty-five different women throughout the U.S., United Kingdom, Australia, all throughout the world. The different ages. Now, some of them haven't come back and used the eggs, so a lot of the data isn't super accurate or updated because women have to come back and use them for us to know do they work. See, eggs. We don't know the quality of them. So, age is our only quality indicator. The younger you are, obviously, the better quality eggs most likely you have. And when you do get over 35, it's not that you can't freeze. Mm -hmm. It's just that if you really want that baby, you want to take the baby home at the end of the day, you are probably going to be closer to that 2% versus the 12% per egg Mm -hmm. success rate. Mm -hmm. So there's a statistic out there by uh, the American Society of Reproductive Medicine that said every egg that's frozen has between a 2% and a 12% success for a live birth. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of steps that has to transpire before you take home the baby. Many, and have, many, yeah. of course. and so that is a huge range, um, but just know that if you are of an older age, genetically mm-hmm. not that you feel old but that your biological age is higher or closer to 40 that it would be suggested that you make embryos now some people don't have the partner right and so therefore eggs really are your only desire mm-hmm. because you don't you want that option to maybe do that with a partner later in right, life right so that so just know the difference really is like if you do create an embryo you're choosing the biological other partner of your ahead of child time. ahead of time. And that may change if later down in life you meet someone else. But maybe it won't matter.
2: Right. And I think there's a few things to point out. I mean uh, maybe I mean this sounds so simple, but ask your doctor, you know, why would you you know, advise me to do embryos versus eggs. Like, what's your opinion? Why is this coming up? Is it because my numbers look so poor? Is it because, you know... Is it because I want five kids? (laughs) Right. And, you know, we don't know Michelle's relationship status, so maybe she's in a relationship. But here's
1: another point. It really doesn't matter what a relationship status is. It could matter, Mm -hmm. but if you're going to freeze, then you're freezing for your future self just because you're with someone today, even if you're married doesn't mean that that's going to be your parenting partner. Right.
2: It depends on her goal, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if she, like you said, if she absolutely wants to be a mother, no matter if she's single or with a partner, then embryos may be the way to go. Um, some people aren't comfortable with that. Like mm-hmm. myself, I don't, I don't know if I would would want to do that by myself yet. I haven't decided. Um, yeah. So that's why at this point in my life, I would stick with just eggs. But it's something that you just, you have to think about all those options and I would definitely consult your doctor and ask him what he thinks as well, of course. Yeah,
1: or her. And I think, you know, I did dive into this. So I looked at all the sperm banks and yeah. researched. There's a lot that goes into choosing a sperm donor if you're mm-hmm. if you're doing the donor route. Um, and there's a lot that goes into if you decide to use a friend, like let's say mm-hmm. I have a really good guy friend and we keep teasing well he's gay Mm -hmm. and he keep we keep teasing that someday he wants a kid and that we could co parent. But there's actually a six month quarantine process for the male, which a lot of people don't think about.
2: No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. And so they
1: have to provide samples for six months and quarantine their samples just like they do at the sperm bank. Mm. No matter if they're a friend, a known donor um, legally have signed off that they're giving you your genetics. Um, you have to have that done at the clinic. So Mm -hmm. just be prepared that if you are 38, 39, 40, and you want to use your male friend Mm -hmm. or somebody, a, I would suggest getting a really great lawyer to make sure all that's,
2: I was going to say that an ironclad
1: in a, in a contract because you don't have to worry about that with the sperm donor. But then secondly, just know that it's going to be causing a six month delay in your, in your
2: plans. That's a really good point because age is uh, obviously a very factor. So,
1: so if you have to use that friend, then you should just realize that you've got to freeze earlier than you think you are. But if you're just looking at it now and you are on the cusp of that 38, 39, 40, then maybe eggs is better than nothing right you know. And you could freeze again and make embryos. I always suggest freeze first, do another round, right? make embryos and then see how well they perform because I was even suggested. So one of my embryologists that I work with, um, in Minnesota suggested, like I was researching and doing all of this on my round two of egg freezing. Right. And he's like, Oh, you should just unthaw the ones you already have and make embryos. And I was like, why would I do that?
2: No, they're That's babies. So, too. Yeah, yeah he's My <laughs> little
1: egg babies. Why would I do that? And he's like, well, you don't know how good your eggs are. Are going to fertilize. It was a it was a reset button for me. I was like, mm. oh, you're right. Like I just because they're 33 does not mean that they're going to be better. Like my lifestyle factors could have improved. I think probably what they probably got worse,
2: but because <laughs> um, I've been super but statistically stressed. statistically speaking, if they're two years, three years younger, yeah, I mean, you most would likely think they're of.
1: You would think that they're better than my 35 year old eggs that I'm going to freeze now. Right, but. Lifestyle factors do play a part as well. So try to be stress free. Try to, you know, take out the alcohol from your diet or the caffeine. I know it's really tough, but it's just this like one period of time that you're honoring yourself, treating your body like a temple Mm -hmm. and you're freezing for the best results for your future.
2: Right. Yeah, that's an interesting point.
1: I'm so glad Michelle called in. I hope that answers your question, Michelle. Thanks for letting us know your concerns. And, um, yeah, that's a really big topic, but I wrote some blogs on this too. So you can check out, um, experience.com for some co-parenting blog ideas, some sperm donation blog ideas. Some sperm donation places have adult photos and some do not. So I don't know if that influences your choice. Like for women, when we pick egg donors, which is rarely talked about, Mm -hmm. um, they actually have adult photos of women because yes. w- to collect the eggs a little bit more is harder than to do it. Of course, right. right. So, but with men and sperm, you know, that is a little more commonplace. Like it's easier to collect sperm than it is to collect eggs. Just and a little bit. Yeah. just a little <laughs> bit. Uh, they have quite an advantage on us. And, um, like the sperm that's collected oftentimes, you know, they'll do evaluations, but all of this is a la carte. So you have to Pay for each, like if you want to hear what their voice sounds like, or if you want to hear, you want to see what celebrity crush they look like, or the staff's evaluation of that sperm donor, Um, or they have an essay. Usually they'll do like an essay, like why they're donating yeah. A lot of the times these, these these guys are college kids and they're just earning an extra like, you know, literally 50 bucks. And so it is an altruistic. It's wild. Yeah, it is wild. Um, but it's just an altruistic. It's like that one movie. Have you, um, there's an old uh, Canadian movie called Starbuck.
2: No, I've not seen it. But
1: now there's a, a, a rendered version, a Hollywood version of a redo that... Mm-hmm. Um, um, I know,
2: there's that Vince Vaughn movie. Vince Vaughn, <laughs> yes,
1: no, it was Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn did a remake of the original movie Starbucks. Oh. oh, I don't know, but he donated quite a bit, right? Yeah, it, over a six period of time, six year period of time, he donated to this one clinic that then wrote him a letter and said that he has a hundred and some plus children that want to meet him, and then the movie goes through each of the oh. relationships of the yes. of the kids that he was a donor for. Oh my gosh!
2: Yeah, it's just a, it's funny- a little nerve wracking if you think too much into it. Like, is that guy like secretly related to me somehow if he was you well know, thank
1: god we a have tests of a donor. like you know 23 and me I to know. know that but you know this is like a whole generation of children that are being born right that might be biologically genetically related that's why i moved
2: to columbia there's no brothers or <laughs> sisters there i'm pretty sure about that yeah <laughs> that i well, know of
1: south america i love south america but you never know <laughs> people, people from America go there too you went there but no hopefully I yeah, know. just the
2: chances t- might be a little bit smaller yeah <laughs> just a little bit
1: no but it is something to think about when you do pick a sperm donor there's yeah. a biological chance that they will have siblings half siblings in many different places so there's this website donorregistry.com mm. and yeah. you can you can register when you've had a live birth from a donor there's open donor lists and stuff that you can find other half siblings. A lot of men go into the sperm bank process mm-hmm. and are rejected. So I'm really close with a, um, a sperm bank. I I know those sales rep. Like We see each other in the field a lot. Right. And he was sharing with me that only 1% of anyone that applies actually makes it. And there's a sperm donating shortage in some countries. For example, in Australia, there's like by the time you weed it out, there's only like 14 possible choices
2: Well, there's only 40 million what in the whole continent yeah we're definitely
1: having a shortage of men donating like in the UK it used to always just be um for altruistic reasons and so there was a lot of men that really felt compelled that they wanted to help but then (laughs) they realized there was uh, everyone was having the same genetics and they needed to widen that circle but yeah I mean there's definitely a shortage in sperm donation so that's Kind of interesting fact. I
2: feel like we could go on about we this really could. Topic. This is this is
1: this is, and then we didn't even talk about the CMV status that yeah. often gets brought up. So CMV is um, the herpes, and it's simplex one and simplex two. Okay. And you need to know your status before picking a sperm donor. Mm-hmm. So if you're negative, which means you've never been exposed to herpes, which is really uh, rare these days, ninety percent of the population has been exposed to either one or two. Um, Scary, I know, but it just is a fact, like, you know, you could kiss somebody and get a simplex, Mm -hmm. you know, but yeah, well, anyways, it's just, (laughs) it's just, it's just the way the world works. Um, And since it is a virus and it's in your body forever, if you're negative, they just suggest that you pick a negative donor. So that significantly takes that funnel of candidates and really narrows it down to a select few people. And then if you're of ethnicity or different race and you want the child to look like you which is very normal and natural. Of and, I, I, you know, if I was African-American or Asian, I'd want right. the baby to look like me so they don't think it's like my friend's baby right. <laughs> or, you know, yeah, not my course. kid or I'm the nanny. Right. But um, so that would, you know, there's, a, there's a, a shortage in various ethnicities, but it is kind of like a online dating you just go on there and put like oh I want great eyes and no, oh I want you know it's a little designer ish, right? Like that's right. the that's the media spin that they always throw on it.
2: Right. And you know, there's just gonna get more and more designer ish.
1: People think of fertility planning and IVF as a luxury. And in somewhat it is like access is very limited. If you don't you have need money a, Yeah, and you know what? That leads into our next voicemail. Um, We have Alexandra.
2: Hi, this is Alexandra. I'm 22 years old. I just graduated from college, and I'm actually interested in egg freezing, and I know you're supposed to do it sooner than later. My question to you is, economically, um, how is the best way for me to be able to afford this, being that I'm going to be attending law school now right after college in September, and where can I get this information about saving to do this? What is the best route to do it as far as freezing? Are there savings programs that are more um, affordable with certain centers? If you could help me with that, that would be great. Thank you. And thanks for your help.
1: Thanks, Alexandra, for uh, calling in. We're going to answer that question right after this commercial break.
0: Prevent UTIs from happening in the first place with Eucora's Pink Lemonade. Just mix a pack of Eucora with a glass of water and drink it when you are at risk of developing a UTI. It gives your body defenses it needs to flush out bacteria. Eucora's ingredients are proven to reduce UTI incidence by more than 75%. Plus, it tastes great and it's easy to use. Eggology Club listeners can get 20% off their first order with discount code EGGCLUB. Go to uqora.com, u q o r a.com, and give it a try because life is too short for another UTI. All right, and we're
1: back. So, Alexandra is asking you know, she's 22 years old, straight out of college. She's already thinking about yeah. egg freezing. That, this I, is great. This I, is who should be
2: thinking about egg freezing. Right. No, that was exciting to see someone at that age. Yeah. Call ask in Ask a question. Yeah.
1: So, there are several savings programs. That can help if you can't financially afford egg freezing or fertility planning or IVF. There's a startup company in Silicon Valley called Future Family, and they offer fertility-based focus loans. Right. And what's great about them is that they understand the fertility market and they will lend you money. Um, of course, they do a background check and your credit yeah. score, like any loan company Yeah, would no do. one's giving
2: you five grand if you don't have decent credit. Right. But if you do lose
1: your job or something happens, they will have really special um, programs where they'll put it on hold and freeze it for you right. until you get back on your feet. So, I mean, they because they are fertility-focused, they don't want to bankrupt you just to get right. their payment. But it's, it's like a payment service where you pay every single month um, the loan off. And then by the time that you're ready to use... The eggs you'll probably have it paid off. I mean, right. the, the true cost, uh, let's just talk about the, the numbers for a minute. Um, an IVF cycle is roughly between, uh, the national average is said to be $12,500, and egg freezing, or the beginning half of right. the process. So it should be within that $5,000, $6,000 range for the actual procedure.
2: Right, and we're not talking about including medications at right. this point. Each yeah. Each
1: state is different with their hormone medications, your insurance package plan, Your whether your deductibles, met
2: right you know this is a good point too alessandra i know you said you're going to law school but when you you know get that great law job or you're looking at firms or maybe companies maybe you start looking at companies that offer egg freezing or ivf uh benefits benefits i think you know i know val went to a, a giant company to talk to their uh, their whole team and their HR and did a presentation about the egg freezing benefits they offer but it's no secret that Facebook and Google are starting to offer um, amazing packages yeah even a friend of mine uh, works for IBM they offer two IVF cycles. But like we talked about, since egg freezing is technically the first half of IVF, they were able to cover a majority of her egg freezing cycle. And when she goes to use it or goes to use her eggs one day, hopefully, um, that will be essentially the second half. And if it doesn't Mm. work out, they'll cover a second. So I think, you know, we also need to be advocates, write to our HR departments. If you guys don't have IVF or egg freezing benefits, write to your, please, write to your human resources. I know the company I used to work for um, had adoption benefits, but unless the human resource department knows it's important to its employees, like it's not going to do it. So. And there's so many new
1: companies out there that are offering like dog grooming services or haircuts right. in the office or lunches. If you don't care about that, right. tell them. So then they give you benefits that you actually care about.
2: Right. I think that's a great point. And and also, you know, on a, a separate note, too... You know, the egg freezing pie, if we look at fertility in general, is only getting larger. Meaning, mean, there's only more women that are attempting to freeze their eggs, which, you know, competition drives down costs. Right. And so increases
1: access. So more women Absolutely. that freeze, the higher um, amount of people that are going to come to the clinic. And so it drives the cost down because there's more people that are doing it. Right.
2: So there's a few centers out there that are offering in the five to six thousand dollar range.
1: I think that we just need to realize that if we don't ask, we don't get.
2: Right. And
1: knowing that you can ask for these things is the first step, whether it's your HR department, whether it's the clinic that you choose asking for them to be competitive. Um, and also I think being your own advocate with your health insurance plan. Um, Illinois is a insurance mandated state. There's other, there's 12 other states in the U S that are insurance mandated for IVF. And if you're over the age, a certain age or your levels are at a, um, lower level, you can actually qualify for IVF benefits, even though you're not actively trying to get pregnant. So a lot of people don't know that. Right. Um, so like, for example, when I froze my employer offered blue cross blue shield of Illinois, Mm -hmm. and that is an insurance mandated IVF, uh, program. Right. And my meds were covered 90%. I think I paid $98 or my copay. Oh wow. Yeah. So I mean, I was very fortunate there that because hormones and medications can cost in the upwards of what nah. three thousand. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I mean depending on your dosage level. If you're younger, you don't need as many hormones, right? But if you're older, you might need the higher doses yeah, in order to I be effective. Yeah, I would affected.
2: say yeah, definitely more in the two to three thousand okay. dollars, four thousand dollars range. You're the expert
1: in that. I yeah. didn't sell those hormones, so
2: and it just depends. A forty-two year old's going to need a lot more medication than a twenty-two year old, right? So that's a good point.
1: I mean, but check into these fertility uh, companies that are offering uh, fertility-based loans. Um, Check with your HR department, look into your insurance policy, see what's covered and be your own advocate within the clinic too. And say, Hey, listen, I really want to come to you. Mm -hmm. What can you do for me? I want to do multiple rounds. I suggest multiple rounds. Like I'm doing another round of egg freezing Mm -hmm. because I don't want to have all my eggs literally in a pun, all in one basket. basket.
2: Yes. Yes. That's a great point.
1: No. So I'm so glad you called Alessandra and way to go for, you know, you're being light years ahead of your your time um, at 22 to already be thinking this. It's all priorities, right? Like we go yeah. on these really fancy vacations or we buy that expensive car or, you know, maybe in your early 20s, you don't do that. And right. you wait till you're uh, older and more established in your career and your finances to, right. to pursue some of those extra fun fun things
2: right and I know we push uh, the younger the better with egg freezing but I do think you know again this is you know Stephanie personal opinion but Alessandra if you did it at 25 26 you
1: know it probably wouldn't be a make or break be
2: okay right and that's the great you're part about girl.
1: egg freezing at a younger age is that it isn't a make or break cycle so if you right. have that crazy monster follicle that happens or you know some crazy things that can happen in IVF or you, you know you haven't 100% had the best levels you can wait a month two months a year right. and it's not crucial like when you're 38 39 40
2: right That that's a good point and that's why you know you're this whole podcast is trying to raise awareness young so Think about it at 22, maybe implement and actually pull the trigger at uh, 26. And, you know, if that doesn't work, you can do it again. And so you have plenty, plenty, plenty of time and options and you're not freaking out. Yeah.
1: And you can still have a kid naturally. Maybe this is for baby number two or baby number three and not for your first one. So that's something to think about, too. But great question. I'm so glad you called in.
2: So we have another voicemail. It's from the lovely Julia, who is 29 years old. And let's hear it. Let's play it. Hi, ladies. Good morning. So I am wondering if you could um, get back to me about the pain involved in the process. I'm really concerned about the surgery and, um, you know, is it painful like the shots and stuff like that? So um, that's really a big concern of mine. Thanks and have a great day. I look forward to hearing back from you. I can definitely relate to her because that was my number one fear, honestly, was the needles. And the pain. And, and, the pain, what, right? and how am I going to feel? I just had another friend who went through egg freezing and she had some other health issues. So it was a bit more challenging, painful and challenging for her. But I know I could speak to myself. It was a lot less painful than I ever imagined. And you have to think about it: the needles that you're injecting yourself with the medications are the same needles that diabetics use when mm-hmm. they give themselves insulin shots every mm-hmm. single day and they mm-hmm. do it for a very, very long time. Um, And you're putting it into your subcutaneous fat. So that really lessens the pain as well. And there's all these tips and tricks, you know, doing an ice pack, taking some Advil ahead of time um, to really help relieve that. And I do want to make a point, too, that Julia, um, she kind of used the word surgery, which it is, right? But to me, that word has a very uh, serious connotation to it. And it's something to note that this- well, we are
1: put under sedation, but like a light twilight sedation. So
2: right, I didn't I didn't feel anything with that. No, personally. me neither. And I, it's And they an said it outpatient. was less than ten to fifteen minutes. Right, it's outpatient. The whole thing, you know, it took longer to prep than it actually uh, did to retrieve the eggs. And right. Um and then I woke up. I was there with my mom for about 45 minutes and they, rehydrating and of course and, and getting she back from being home. loopy. <laughs> right, but I was back out. I did take the next day off just in case, I did too. but I could have gone back to work yeah. in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I I I definitely worked on my laptop and d- wasn't yeah, like, oh, I course. walked around the house. I think I cleaned my apartment, yeah. you know, like little stupid stuff or yeah. did laundry. But, um, no, as far as the pain's concerned, I think we build it up in our heads way worse than it actually is. Of course. Um, I did feel bloated during the time period that I took hormones, right. but I think it's also a key factor to bring up
2: that sometimes
1: you have to do some mixing with some of these hormones,
2: and oh, you yeah. use a bigger needle, a bigger gauge needle. With your trigger shot, that's when you use the the mixing needle, right? But that right? goes
1: into your subcutaneous muscle, which is basically your butt,
2: right? Yes, your or side of our, the butt. I am. Yeah. yeah, your
1: your butt muscle.
2: Yes, <laughs> but that actually to me hurt less, even though the needle was longer, but it was thinner. Did you do it yourself, or no. you had someone help? I okay. had my mom do it. Yes, and I didn't even know she did it mm. when after it because was... the
1: muscle is so thick that it doesn't even feel it.
2: That, yeah, and I honestly don't even know why it's so painless. I think the needle is just so, so thin. Yeah. Um, I
1: think it also helps not to be weight-bearing when you do it. Mm. Kind of like when you give yourself or when you get, uh, you know, your tetanus shot. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little sore and they, they tell you just try not to use that arm too much. Right, It's right. the same kind of
2: concept. Yeah, I, I was, I don't know how you were, but I was with on my bed, on my stomach and just laid down and drew a little, uh, a little target on my lower back and had her just... Oh, that sounds glamorous and <laughs> awesome.
1: I, unfortunately, had to give my trigger shot at four in the morning. You did it yourself? And I had to do it myself. Who was going to be here at four in the morning? I don't know. I just... It was challenging. That's why I flew my mom I did in from Georgia, because well, she'd do anything. <laughs> I would have loved to have flown my mom in, but she was working... It's just
2: real life stuff. So. Yeah. And my parents so live so out of town, so that was really challenging. Tell
1: me about that. It actually can be done. I did it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I know other people
1: so, have. So it's kind of a reach around right Right. and it was probably higher than it needed to be but as long as it's in the general area and I'm actually hearing new stuff from doctors and clinics and nurses that it doesn't really have to be in your butt that it can be in the front like in your thigh or in your leg yeah okay so um, I think that's maybe a traditional way that we gave ourselves the the trigger shot Um, but yes it's totally possible to do it on your own Um, there's also companies that have nurses come in and and administer shots. Now that is a fee, an extra cost. Right. But if you really wanted that emotional support, I tried to do the first shot with a friend. That was, um, had gone through IVF several times. And so she was kind of my handholding support. But after I did that first shot, oh, I felt yeah. so empowered. It was like, I was on a routine. Oh, of course. Every night. It's like I had my, I had my little setup. Yeah. And I got faster every single time.
2: Oh, I know. I remember by the end, I was, like, taking it with me and doing it, like, at, you know, I just run to the bathroom at dinner on, like, day eight. I was, you know, you just. Yeah, you
1: were sn- you were you're snapping. Yep, you were a but pro. But the
2: first day, it took me, like, 15 minutes to do it. You know what?
1: I interviewed this really cool girl named Taryn Southern. Yeah. And she's a YouTube blogger, and she uh, did an egg freezing dance that she would, like, record herself and send it to all her friends. Yeah, that um, was really
2: popular very recently. It went, like, viral. Yeah. I remember commenting on a few negative people's uh, comments on her video. Yeah. Just well, I'm sure you got the haters. Let me correct this. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm sure there's haters, especially when Always you're that well-known. But, um, but yeah, she did, like, a little egg freezing dance and made it fun, and I think you can make it fun. Right. Oh, and absolutely. It, you could have, like, a friend do it with you. Like, get a couple girlfriends together. Maybe there's more bargaining power yeah. when you go to the clinic together and say, we both want to freeze our eggs. Oh, and, yeah. Um, and then you can help each other with the shots. Right.
2: Absolutely. And there's so many, like, YouTube videos out there and med teach videos. And actually, that I watched one of a couple uh, – he gave her the trigger shot. It just relieved my fears oh. because she was like, "Oh, I didn't even feel that," and I was like, "Oh yes, this is great." Yeah, because it looks
1: scary. I think once again, it's just about seeing examples, positive examples of how you can get through it, and there, right. where there's a will, there's a way. Yes, and you're doing something for your future self. Right. So. And it's
2: bearable, Julia, trust us. I mean, this many women would not have gone through it unless yeah. it was something. Let's, let me retract. You, when I used to sell cancer medications. Oh, wow. And it was uh, also a subcutaneous injection um, that was done in the clinic because of just how much medication was going through and whatever. Oh. But there's a reason they let you go do these medications at home because it's that easy and it's that painless. Otherwise, mm-hmm are, you know, say what you want about the FDA, but they would not allow patients to give themselves meds if it wasn't that easy. So rest assured that there's a reason why you're able to do this at mm-hmm. home.
1: And thousands of people have done IVF, which is yeah. the beginning half of, of egg phrasing. So,
2: hey, call Eggology Club when you're doing it. We'll sit on the phone with yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. 978 Egg Club, girl. Call us back and we'll FaceTime you or yeah, maybe you? maybe that's a future, you know, video you post or something. Right, right right no i love it thanks julia so much for calling and actually our next one is going to be an email it's from the beautiful sarah in texas hey girl uh age 31 this is a really interesting question because i had this one as well before i froze what happens to my eggs if i don't end up using them yeah it's a really good question
1: and i love that her mind is already saying in her head like she's not going to use them but she still wants to freeze
2: yeah and i think that is a concern are they going to sit in the freezer do they destroy them you know what happens with them um and again i'm i'm speaking from personal experience but it was interesting to me when i was going through the process and you go you do have to read through a lot of paperwork and mm-hmm. sign and you do have the option to what i thought was really interesting and they they said it's a little morbid but if you pass away do you want or become
1: incapacitated? Like, yes. like, like you, like you physically Cola, can't respond.
2: Sure. Do you want like who, if anyone, do you want to get them or do you want them destroyed? And I was just thinking, gosh, if that ever actually happened to me, I don't, my mother and family would be so distraught that I I couldn't, couldn't worry give about that, them that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also asked if I wanted them to be donated to science or, um, what'd you pick? Um, I picked none of those. Really? Okay. No. Well, it, and it was because at the time I was in a rush
1: um, uh-huh. because I had to go. And you can change it anytime. So just because you picked a certain checkbox today doesn't mean later you can't go well, back th- and well Well,
2: definitely with a donor because there was some testing that had to be done right before the FDA testing, right? So women
1: go through an FDA clearance. Right. And that just means that if you want your eggs, which will eventually be embryos, placed into a third party, so like a surrogate, right? someone that would carry, be the oven for your right. bun, um, that they need to have this FDA clearance in order to carry your child because it's third party.
2: Right. And the same if you wanted to donate them, right, yeah. to another couple.
1: Right. If you wanted to give away your eggs or sell yes. them, um, which you could actually sell your eggs as well, right? Uh, to like a needy couple or, or something. Yeah um, then you need to have this initial testing at the time of egg freezing. So they'll ask you, do you want the DNA test?
2: Yeah, I chose. Yes. Yes. And I, it was a few extra hundred dollars. Yes. And I know. And that's awesome that you did that. I think in hindsight, like I probably should have done it. Um, but I, but if you only thought you were,
1: you were going to use them. I just didn't know. Maybe someday I might want to sell them. I don't know. Right, Or you might I've wanted to do a surrogate. I mean, Or I might want to give them to my sister. Who knows?
2: And I just, I do remember having to decide at that moment and that Mm -hmm. was not something I was prepared for. So that's why this is a good question is maybe that's something to think about because you do have to kind of decide on the spot. At least I do. If you
1: do want to donate them, that is an option. Mm -hmm. If you do want to give them to research, I chose research. So if I were to become incapacitated, get hit by a truck or a bus tomorrow, my eggs would go towards... Hindsight—that's
2: what I would do if I did a if and when I do a second cycle. That's what I'm going to do. Well, guess
1: what? Even the eggs that you have frozen now in yeah. your beautiful lab, yes, can be changed. You just need to sign new paperwork. So ah. if you contact your clinic, you can update your status. So like things might change, right? Like I might decide, no, I actually want to give them to this family member, right? Um, or have them be responsible if something were to happen to me. Right. You can make those changes down the road. I just didn't have anybody that I wanted to entrust. I like to control all of my stuff. Like, oh yeah. It's yeah. your genetic
2: material. Yeah. yeah it's
1: very <laughs> precious to me. So I didn't want anyone else to be able to make that decision for me without knowing my wishes. Right. And so I chose science because I didn't have a person to right. give
2: that responsibility now to. Now here's a question that I actually don't know. Maybe you do. Um, how is there any studies or anything that shows how long they can be eggs can be stored or because I guess it's still more of a new technology right so yeah, so
1: IVF is over 40 years old but egg freezing is only within the last 10 years right so and they were doing
2: more fresh cycles before so they were yeah. just using them right away
1: right right so I I, I think the general statistic or um fact-based info is that they can be stored indefinitely, but we haven't had eggs stored for so long, like 40 years. Then we try to use them to see if they're the same. But the general consensus is that when you freeze something, you freeze it in time. So you froze 31-year-old eggs. Right. And I froze 33-year-old eggs. And any time that you freeze again, whatever age you are at that moment is the
2: age of the eggs. Right. And now with like egg vitrification, which is the really fast freezing, which is better technology, most likely they're lasting even longer. Eggs right. frozen 10 years ago probably will be a little bit different than eggs frozen yesterday. Right. So
1: in 2012, the ASRM, American Society of Reproductive Medicine, removed the experimental label. Mm-hmm. And do you know the history of how egg freezing really began?
2: I don't know. I don't think Okay, so maybe. it's the Catholic <laughs>
1: Church didn't, didn't like the idea of destroying embryos. So uh, they said they we've been freezing yeah. sperm for thousands of years right. it feels like right yeah. um but we hadn't tried to froze freeze the eggs it was once thought that it was impossible mm-hmm. and so when we discovered the technology to freeze eggs that research obviously grew but it developed originally from the catholic church not liking embryos being destroyed oh, so if wow. you just freeze individual cells then they're not a human yet because yeah. when does life start right was the conception well that's still the talk. debate yeah right. right
2: right you know again we talked about uh like some reality stars and uh, Heather from Real Housewives of Orange County I remember she has four kids I believe yeah. Um, and she had embryos on ice and she knows she's done having kids, right? Yep. This is not an episode a few years ago, but she still pays her yearly storage bill for her yep. embryos. I know she's a lot like, of people that do, but she's like, I just can't destroy them. I even though she
1: knows that she doesn't want to have another right. child or grow her family any larger than the four right. kids she already has. But
2: it's, I mean, some people have, I mean, it goes back to the question. Yeah. Like some people have that. Well, thought. you can
1: donate embryos. Did you know that?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. So it does a just harder, because, but.
1: just because, well, it depends on your, um, status of what you wa- value and whether it's important to you or if you have a biological ch- child running around out there. Right. But just because you have frozen genetic material embryos does not mean that they will turn into a live birth. They could miscarry. They could just pass through and never, and never stick to the uterine lining. Right. Um, so just because they're frozen doesn't mean that they will have a successful implantation. Of course. Right. So that's why we try to make as many as we can because we don't know if they'll work. Right. But yeah, no, I've had several friends go through that right now where they're like, do you know anybody that really wants a child and they're willing, What well, mostly they used a third party, right? Mm-hmm. So they used an egg donor or a sperm donor. And so there's a little less attachment uh, because it's not their genetic biomaterial. Right, right. But they did create these embryos and it took a lot of money to create these embryos. Right. And they don't want it to just go to waste. So there are egg donation programs and egg sperm donation programs and then also embryo programs right
2: yeah i i just don't hear about that as much but i think you know as we as people look into all their options as Mm it just grows as a field that would be interesting to to learn more about and what agencies have perfected if any perfected that model
1: well sometimes if you freeze over a certain age it wouldn't be as sellable unless you had like a willing
2: buyer Right. Well, that's funny because that's why I kind of froze my eggs at 31 because the clinic I went to, that was their cutoff for egg donor. So in my head, I was like, well, if people are still donating eggs at 31, I can freeze mine at 31. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: and it's maybe a good point to say here, you know, some people are afraid, like, how do you know that was my genetic
2: material in the lab? Uh, Yeah, and I don't even really know that answer. You hope that there's just checks and balances in place. So I do know this answer
1: because I work in the lab. Ah. And and, uh, so what they do is they have several points of... just like when they check your ID bracelet to make sure that you were you when you did the right. when you did the you um,
2: your name retrieval yes. yeah they ask you
1: your name your birthday Show you yeah. several identifiers right so they put a code so most clinics will have like a code now there's some new technology that's coming into the labs that have barcode technology mm-hmm. so we can actually scan the tank and know who's in that tank yeah it's like an inventory list it's right. so cool I hope it you know all the clinics start adopting it yeah because it really reduces medical error but I will say that these are professional and they do this every single day and they have checks and balances. So they have several um, pieces. And so I got a picture of my actual um, straws that my eggs were frozen in. So oh. I had two eggs on each straw. So oh. in case I want to unthaw them, I don't have to unthaw all of my 17 eggs. Ah. So there's a couple that have two and then um, one that's that has a, one. That's a
2: good point too. Is that normal? Is that? I just asked for it. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's normal. I just, I'm knowing better. I just wanted to see my straws. (laughs) No, but I'm like, I think about, I only had nine frozen. So if I only wanted to... uh, Oh, you uh, mean how many are put on a straw?
1: Right. Oh yes. It's very normal to put on multiple straws if it's just egg freezing. Yeah. Even embryos too, because... Um, you may not want to unthaw a bunch of embryos. Right, because you lose some in the process most likely. Well, there's going to be egg math that happens. Of course. Um, But yeah, two is kind of typical. I interviewed this one girl in the UK that did this really unique... Scientific research study, basically, with her clinic, and she froze three times. Mm-hmm. And when she went back to use her eggs, she asked, Can I have one straw from the first retrieval, one straw from the second retrieval, and one straw from the third retrieval? I just thought that was so genius yeah. to even think about it. And they compared, and, and the embryologist said, Thank you so much for doing that for me, because I saw, even though the same person froze all three times, right. there is a little bit of human. Factor involved. Oh yeah, and so the magic
2: happens in the lab. They say that's yeah. why the success rates are so uh, uh, fluctuating. Crucial
1: per lab, though, too. Yeah. That's why you need to look into that. Right. I think being comfortable with your clinic is is a key. But that's another thing too. Like not to bring up <laughs> another topic, but these tanks are put yeah. under surveillance. Some have cameras. Some are put on alarms. All of them are usually put on alarms. Right. So if anything were to happen like a natural disaster or thing, we are warned and there's backup generators right. to keep them
2: frozen. Did you hear about that doctor in Florida that refused to evacuate because yes. even it could have been possible those generator, backup yeah. generators even failed. failed. I know. I, I Boy, hands down to him. What press for him. I know, right? Job.
1: Yeah. Uh, but it is important that, you know, you think about natural disasters because that's in our contracts. Most clinics yeah. will put in their contract that they're not responsible for natural disasters. Oh, yeah. I mean, if a hurricane or a tornado came in, ripped through the clinic, I mean, clinics do a pretty good job on preparing for these things. But, you know, like in California, if you have an earthquake, I don't know how you protect. But I think that we're predicting ourselves fear here that is unnecessary. Like, right. There's just, yeah, we don't need to be afraid of all of that.
2: Absolutely. Yes.
1: I think for the most part, yeah, don't worry (laughs) and don't worry that, you know, this is necessarily going to be something that will happen to you, but it goes back to the whole aspect that this isn't a hundred, a hundred percent insurance policy. It's just a chance to increase your fertility, um, preservation odds. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So But great question, Sarah. Thanks for writing in. We have one more voicemail.
2: Hi, my name is Vicki. I'm 29 from San
1: Francisco. I'm just calling because I'm just on the verge of turning 30 and still single.
2: At what point do I really need to think about freezing my eggs? If I meet someone in the next few years, will that be a saving grace or do I still have time?
1: I mean, we kind of covered age factors earlier. Right. Right.
2: I don't know, Vicky, if, if only we had a, a magic wand and our or a uh, crystal, ball. crystal ball, that's what I meant to say, uh, that we can predict, you know, the perfect age. I mean, I think it kind of goes back to you have to be an advocate and get tested and see where what your baseline is. Yeah. Go to your OBGYN and ask for an AMH test, which is a blood draw. It stands for anti-malarian hormone. And what it does is it tests. It's only one piece of the puzzle. Right. But it tests uh, something called your ovarian reserve and essentially what that means is it's it gives you a, an idea of how many eggs you have left right so if you have based a, on your age based on your based on your age and so yeah there's a uh, kind of some numbers that are normal for your age or a uh, range of numbers that are good for your age so if if you get that test back and you are you know, way on the lower end, freeze right away. Right. Yeah. But if the OBGYN is like, or low for your age. So they'll give age. you
1: a, a statistic range of what of your numbers should be for your age. Right. right. And if you are on the low side, right, waiting is not going to yes. give you better odds.
2: Absolutely not. But if it looks good and, you know, 29, I mean, it's up to your financial situation. We always say, you know, if you can freeze at twenty nine, I would a hundred percent do it. If you're at a point that you can yeah. um, financially, or save now and do it by thirty. I mean, yeah. make sure you know it starts becoming a priority, in my opinion. Um, but you know, taking it even a step further, explore. I would explore Vicky some uh, reproductive endocrinologists in your area and ask if they have some fertility assessment packages. I know here in Chicago, there's many clinics that have them ranging from $99 to 199 Right. And there's nice. even some
1: online, um, like eggwhisper.com you can order a test, uh, an right. AMH test, and right. then just take it to your local lab, like a Quest right. or a LabCorp.
2: And But even, you know, I think some of the packages that some of the reproductive endocrinologists offer include ultrasound, right? Yeah. So it gives you a better idea of What's how many inside. follicles in your resting state right.
1: are being yes. uh, in, in your natural cycle? Right. So
2: this brings up an interesting point because I, so I got a blood draw, right? Okay. And I had a great AMH for my age at 31. But when I went and got an ultrasound, my um, AFC, which stands for antral follicle count, which means how like Val's just said, how many follicles do you have at resting state was only at nine. And oh. they at minimum usually want 10.
1: Yeah. They 10 did it 12. twice.
2: Right. Um, double digits. Right. Yeah. And I did it twice. It was at nine both times. Oh, wow. Ironically, guess how many eggs I got? Nine. Right. And there was, <laughs> there was a debate I used to have with doctors on like what hormone level or what test is the best indicator of success. Mm. And a few of them started saying AFC and how I perceived it as I had a lot of eggs or a good amount of eggs left, mm-hmm. but my body just didn't, didn't make, make a lot each per month. cycle. It's just right. a
1: chance for an egg to be in that follicle. So a right. follicle is different than an egg. Right.
2: Yep, absolutely. They can't actually see eggs on ultrasound, so that's why they count follicles. Right. And uh, uh, calculate the size of them during right. the hormones. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's, I'm going back to Vicki's point, is that, you have to get tested and speak yeah. with a professional. Before There's no way to know. You, right. you can't say, oh, I feel really healthy, right. so I'm fertile. Right. We don't have that prediction. Right. But I think more the statistics state that, you know, your uh, fertility slowly declines throughout your 20s and early 30s. And right. th- well, throughout our lives as women. Right. Yeah, I know. But after 35 is when it starts to. Decline at a more rapid rate. Mm-hmm. So, if that's if, why they call it the egg cliff, the egg cliff, I know it's so bad. Um, but if industry, anything, 100 million percent do it before that age. But it's, it's so important that each individual woman gets tested and sees where she's at as an individual.
1: Everybody might have a completely different experience. And that's why I did a lot of the videos and and, um, experience interviews is because I wanted to hear other people's stories on why... Um, they froze, but not but not only why they froze, but their outcomes. Right. And I had age ranges from all over the map. I've had people that have had monster follicles that they had to stop their cycle and start over. You've had people that had just good success from the very beginning. Right. Um, or several people that were just low and count and had to do it multiple times. Right. The hormone medications that are prescribed could be different. There's many different ways to cycle. Mm-hmm. And so it's just based on the body is just
2: different each month. right? Like, why do we feel tired some days and other days we have the best energy? Like, right. We just don't know. Stress may
1: play a factor into it. Stress,
2: right. Yep. Drinking too much vino. Oh. Using the vino straw. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I love that straw. (laughs) It works for coffee, too. Yeah, which is great because I do need to get my teeth white.
1: I know. That would help. (laughs) <laughs> yes, all these procedures. Thank you listeners so much for calling in and asking these very difficult questions and helping facilitate our conversation today because I think these are some of the real worries, fears, things that are on our mind. Yeah, these are some of my questions before I started. Right, and it's it's not that we can't ask our doctor or our friend that maybe has done it, but it's nice to learn about the, the answers and hear these questions before we even realize that might be a question we have yeah
2: and you know we like to hear multiple people's opinions and take all the information around us gather it and then make our own assessment
1: yeah yeah I think it is a very personalized decision and not everybody wants to be public or talk about it in a very open forum so that's why we're doing it for you
2: absolutely and
1: changing the conversation about how we think about egg freezing how we think about fertility planning how we think about what future family looks like for us
2: right Yep, absolutely. Let's and hope we get more and more of those twenty two year old callers. I know, I love that. <laughs> I, I
1: I hope we can um start impacting the college scene. I mean, I know you love to speak, Stephanie, so maybe Oh gosh, I love it. We'll have to go on a tour, a little meetup egg tour. That
2: would be great. That'd I be think, fun. Right. You know, it's we hear this time and time again, especially from women over 40, you know, if only I had known this 15 years ago, like my life and my choices would have been different. And granted yes. the technology Has wasn't shifted. necessarily there 15 years ago. Right. Um, but w- this is the goal of your podcast, right? And the yeah. goal of this conversation is to just give you options younger so you yeah. can make your choices. You know, I've
1: never heard anyone this that they regretted doing it after they chose it's to egg great freeze. Point.
2: Yeah, yeah they used to call them test tube babies. How yeah, funny that's I not even a term.
1: I met the first IVF babies. Yeah,
2: you did. It's fun.
1: They um, they met for the first time. So Louise Brown was the first IVF baby that was born in the UK. Right. And so she's celebrating her 40th birthday next year. Wow. Isn't I that know. Nuts? 1978 is when oh she gosh. was born. July 25th, which is when we launched this podcast shut up yeah
2: did you do that on purpose on purpose you, <laughs> you did <laughs> yes oh my gosh
1: well it's christmas in july yeah so uh louise brown met elizabeth carr who was the first yes. IVF baby in the states yes and she lives in boston area
2: right and do and you remember how old elizabeth is
1: elizabeth was born in 81 december of okay. 81 so oh, it's just, a bit just, younger. just
2: a couple years and they've all had kids of their own
1: Oh, yes. Yes. Both Louise Brown and Elizabeth Carr have had their own families. Naturally. Naturally. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like Louise said, she would have used IVF. But Elizabeth was kind of like, I didn't want to be the IVF baby that had to use IVF. So but I mean, think about it. They didn't have
2: normal lives. They were basically celebrities. Oh, yes. I watched their interview from a recent conference in Chicago.
1: They are such troopers. They're really the honest down to earth nice yeah. people i've interviewed both of them for my website on Aww, experience yeah. so you can watch that there too Aww. but yeah they're just amazing human beings and and the science if if they hadn't turned out normal you know or whatever right. normal is if they hadn't been born well ivf might not be around
2: that's so true. So
1: they are literally, because of their successful birth, has created this entire industry that we both worked in. And how funny that they're
2: both females?
1: I know. Right? Actually, there were several females in the beginning. Wow. Um, the first male was another UK baby.
2: Wow. Kind of like that. A little. Yeah.
1: There's a little history lesson for you there. Thanks for tuning in. And
2: thanks for having me. Yeah. This is great. I'm so
1: glad you were a part of the podcast. It's been exciting. I mean, you've been such an inspiration. So thanks, Stephanie, for donating your time.
2: No, we appreciate your dedication to fertility and all that you're passionate about. So. (laughs) Of course.
1: All right. Until next time, we're going to sign off. Stephanie
2: out.
0: Bye. You've been listening to episode 12 of the Eggology Club podcast. Questions and answers. Thanks so much for listening and asking your questions. We hope you've learned a lot from the last 12 episodes and enjoyed the first season of the Eggology Club podcast. If you found this information helpful, please don't keep it to yourself tell a friend stay tuned as more exciting episodes for season 2 will launch soon meanwhile tune in next week as we have a special guest joining the show for a bonus episode episode number 13 check out our social media pages at ecology club to learn about our giveaway contest and discover clues about who the secret celebrity guest might be be sure to cast your vote before episode 13 launches for your chance to win a free copy of her autographed book you won't want to miss it see you next Next time. Today's episode of Ecology Club was written and hosted by Valerie Landis, Stephanie Linder, Raydell Feichler, and Kara Egber. The show was produced and mixed by Shannon Holly, caricature artwork by Peter Scott, logo and cover art by Lily Chen. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, leave a rating, and contact us at ecologyclub.com. Do you love red wine and coffee, but you care about keeping your teeth white? Then you need to be a diva, a Vino Diva. Vino Diva is a reusable wine aeration straw. It aerates your wine with every sip to make it taste incredible. And it protects your smile from red wine and coffee stains. Search Vino Diva on Amazon today. Every woman has the little black dress. Now, every woman needs the little black straw. Vino Diva, available now with Amazon Prime.